lesson in this in this teaching that we're going to do, and I just simply titled it "Heaven or Earth." There's a choice for you and I to make: which kingdom we serve. Are we going to serve the kingdom of heaven, or are we going to see serve the kingdom of earth, which is basically ourselves or our our own kingdom? So let's pray about that this morning, and we'll go through some of these verses and and point out a few things the Lord's shown me. And maybe we can learn something from that today. Amen. Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name. We give you thanks, Lord, for your word and your testimonies that have honored you and glorified you today. We're thankful, Lord, that you do abide. And we thank you, Lord, that you haven't left us or forsaken us. We thank you, Lord, for the stressful situations you've helped so many with this week alone. Just this week alone, Lord, we've heard testimonies this morning of the stress and the worry that you have lifted and that you have moved in situations and made them better. We thank you for that today in Jesus' name, God. We look to you, Lord, now as we open this uh, here in the book of James in chapter 5. We pray, Lord, that our eyes will see what the Word is saying to us. And we'll see what it means to us, Lord, for the life we're living at this point in time right now. And we pray, Lord, that our ears will hear exactly what your Word says and give our hearts now an understanding of what it means to apply this in our lives each and every day. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So in James chapter 5, we're going to see that there's two kinds of kingdoms that can be served. There's the kingdom of this earth and serving earthly riches and trying to get more, 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 more. Or there's the kingdom of heaven. And that's where the church comes in. Amen. It's where we serve one another and we serve to meet the needs of other people. Amen. So anyways, the title today is, is Heaven or Earth? And we want to figure out which kingdom we serve. So beginning in chapter 5, the first thing we read about is those who are serving uh, the kingdom of this earth. It says now in verse 1 of chapter 5, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire you have heaped up treasure in the last days. We must remember here that the book of James was not written to sinners. The book of James was written to believers in Jesus Christ. And how many knows even in the early days of the church there were people that were getting off track and there were people who were starting to incorporate things into, into walking with Christ that didn't need to be there. And these group of people here that he's talking, there were some of them that needed a warning that you're beginning to serve earthly riches more than you're serving God. And he tells them a few things here. The Bible here and in many other places warns us about the danger of seeking earthly riches. But as you know, our mind is conditioned to do that. Well, we need to go to school and get a good education, get a good job, make a lot of money, provide a good living, on and on and on. It just seems that that's what it's all centered upon. And of course we need to do those things, right? To make it in this world, we've got to have a job We've got to have a little bit of money to make it in this world and things. But when it comes to the point where that's all we think about, now we'd be starting to become someone like here is being described as a rich person, a rich with a, of the rich man. Typically, people who live their lives that way, seeking to obtain more and more wealth, they're very hard to get along with. Often, they're very demanding people who make life miserable for everybody around them. Here, the Scripture likens their earthly riches to something that is rotted, garments that are moth-eaten, or gold and silver that's corroded. You know, gold and silver that becomes corroded is not worth near as much as what it should be worth, is it? 
And so when we get real proud of all the things we've acquired in life, the Bible here tells us you don't realize that it's, it's moth-eaten. It's corroded. It's rotting away. You don't realize it at the time. How many knows that the things you have today that will jump up and down and, and swear was a blessing from God can go away instantly tomorrow and we'll wonder what happened. You know, you can come into a lot of money, but you know in just a few days you can spend a lot of money. You ever notice that, how quick it goes away? Get you a big tax income refund, you know, it's money that's owed to you anyway. You get that little big chunk of money and you think, oh boy, we're going to do lots of stuff with this. And you go to the store a time or two, pay a bill or two, and this, that, and the other, and it's gone. Earthly riches will vanish very quickly. What's being described here are Christians who've went the way of Balaam in another place in the Bible and become more about serving themselves than serving God. Their minds and hearts are set on earthly riches and have now, it says, heaped up judgment for themselves in the last days. There comes a, a day that a lot of people don't want to talk about. There will be a judgment day where people give an account of the way they lived their life. And James is telling here, that if you live your life serving earthly riches, and we're going to find out the reasons they were being warned in the next few verses, but if they lived their lives that way, that there's going to come a reckoning day and you have to give an account for cheating and defrauding people. <clears throat> I'm reminded of Matthew, what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. See, we, when we read, and I say this a lot, but I want to say it again this morning just to remind us. When we read what's called the epistles, starting in Romans and going on through on up to Revelation. These, those were books that, and words God gave as inspiration after the gospel had happened, after Jesus had lived and died and rose again. And if we pull something out of these uh, epistles, all these bo smaller books after the gospels, that doesn't line up with the gospel, then we need to, we need to re reprogram ourselves and say, okay, I'm not interpreting that right. Everything in the epistles will verify and summarize what Jesus has already said. What Jesus said in the Gospels is law, okay? And if we look in the epistle, we should get out of these epistles exactly what Jesus has already said. And here we're going to see it in Matthew chapter uh, 6, verse 19. Jesus said this, and you'll see now he's, it's exactly what James is talking about. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Where what? Moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Every little bit, you turn around, if you're on this Facebook thing, I don't do it a whole lot, but I, I, I browse at it. I mainly have it just to make church posts and stuff. That's, I'm not big into the Facebook thing. But every little bit, when I do look at it, or somebody had something stolen. They've got a picture of it, and they're saying, hey, help us find this. Somebody come in our garage, or somebody come in our yard and stole this. Every time you turn around, somebody's stealing something. That's why we don't lay our, make our treasure about things on this earth. We lay our treasure up in heaven where nobody can get to that. It's safe there, amen? It's protected there. So don't lay up treasures for yourselves, Jesus said, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in to steal. But lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And here's the key. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If my heart is about earthly things, 
then I'll spend all my time and energy trying to get earthly things. And then when something does happen to them, which it will, then my heart's going to be broken, isn't it? Because, oh, I've lost everything I've worked for, everything I had. Don't get so caught up in everything you've worked for here on this earth. Lay up your treasures in heaven. Amen. And this is exactly what James is talking about. And then in 1 Timothy, I just want to read this to you real quickly. You can make yourself a note. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6 down through verse 10. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Here's two different Bible writers. One is James, one is Paul. Both of them saying exactly the same thing Jesus said. Don't put your treasure here on earth. We have to have things. We need things to operate and to function in this world, right? But my treasure's not here. One of the most heartbreaking things I ever experienced was when my father-in-law passed away. Michelle's mom had had to been uh, a few years before was in really bad health and was living in a nursing home at the time. And all of a sudden now, here's an empty house, banks ready to foreclose, and here's all of the things they'd worked for all their life. Here it is. It's got to be moved. Something's got to give. And it was a, a hard thing to go in there and make decisions about the things people, other people had worked for. But we got to realizing and got to saying, you know what? This is just earthly treasure. It's made to move around from this house to that house or whatever. We'll just do the best we can with it. Try to get rid of some stuff or whatever. Give things away. We gave a lot of things away. But see, if our treasure and our heart is just on earthly things, we'll be disappointed all the time. I told Elizabeth yesterday when we went down, she wanted to get the last few little items out of her vehicle and stuff, and, and she was pretty heartbroken about it. And I was hugging her and told her it's going to be okay. And I said, look around here, honey. I said, you're not the only one. Wrecked cars piled up everywhere you could see down there. Trees growing up around them, been there for years. You see what I'm saying? Our earthly treasures will come and go. Earthly riches will come and go real quickly. But our heavenly treasure, that's where Jesus lives. That's where we want our focus. Amen? Amen. Verse 4. <clears throat> Indeed, the wages here, we're starting to see why these people had become so uh, anti-God or why God is so upset with these types of Christians that James is addressing here in verse 4. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury and have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just, and he does not resist you. I got to thinking about that verse yesterday. You know the, the wealthy and powerful people, you, you have no recourse against them. They have the power, they have the authority, and there's really not a lot you can do. 
Now, here in our country, we talk about, well, we can vote them out. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that you can. Because there's only a select group of people now who can even run for office. You've got to be very wealthy to even run for office. And then you've got to have a lot of other people put their wealth together to get you elected. So I'm not real confident in, in uh, earthly rulers. I'm not real confident in politicians. But you know, they do have the power and the authority to make life good or make it bad for the regular people. And it seems to be typically they make life good for themselves and you all just figure out how to pick up the pieces. Seems to be that's the way it goes. So these are self-seeking and hard-hearted, I call them pretend Christians. There's Christians who fall into this stuff too. Oh, they name the name of Christ, but only in, in passing from time to time, but their life is not based upon Him. Amen? They've become the worst kind of people. They've now become oppressive, and instead of helping others, they're making life nearly impossible for other people to live. You know, someone who becomes an oppressor, that's one of the most evil kind of people there is. You know, you can do somebody wrong and then you never see each other again and that's fine. But when you oppress somebody, you hold them down continually. And you know you're holding them down. That's a mean-hearted, evil kind of person. They cheat people in their wages so that they themselves can get richer and live in more luxury. You remember King Nebuchadnezzar? There was a word spoken about him that he was going to face judgment of God and a year later he went out in his palace and went out on his whatever porch or whatever I guess the case was. He had built a grand empire. And you remember the words out of his mouth? Is this not great Babylon that I have built? No. He didn't build anything. He had slaves building it. He had workers that he wasn't paying anything, right? Maybe giving them just enough food to keep them alive. And his day came, didn't it? Suddenly, the voice came from heaven and there he went out. And then he lived like an animal for seven years, eating grass and the dew falling on his head. God's word is true in every generation. Rich oppressors will have their day. And so James is saying here, y'all don't want to be part of that thing. As Christians, we want to be as far away from that as we can get. So they cheat people in their wages so that they can have more luxury. The people they defraud have no power to change the circumstances and must endure being mistreated. What can you really do, you and I, what can we really do about this inflation and these gas prices that's went through the roof and all this stuff? Can't do a thing, can we? It's not in our power to change it. But there's a select few people that had power to change that, and you see where we're at. It's pointless. But you guess what? It hadn't hurt them one bit. And you see the mindset of a rich oppressor. And James here is describing, by the inspiration of God, these people's going to have their day. Amen? So we just got to keep enduring being mistreated. Rich oppressors are warned here that the cries of the oppressed have and will reach the ears of the Lord of hosts. And if they don't repent, it will end in their destruction. You've heaped up treasure for yourselves in the last days. See, when I go to stand before the Lord and they open my treasure box, I want my treasure box to be godly things. Then when somebody needed a shoulder to cry on, I was there. 
When somebody needed somebody to do something for them, whatever the case may be, if I had to go without something I'd planned on to make sure somebody else had some, that's the kind of treasure I want in my box. I don't want to be like one of these rich oppressors when they opened his treasure box and it was, oh, you lived in luxury on the heels of other people and on the shoulders of other people. That would be a shame, wouldn't it? Amen. And so now in verse 7, it shifts to now talking about those of us who try to live godly. He's given the warning, saying that these people don't even resist you. They, you murder them, you make life hard for them, make it impossible for them to function, and they just have to take it. And so now he gives us instruction as Christians in verse 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. You know, as Christians, we're commanded to endure persecution. He's given them the warning, the ones that's doing the persecuting and ones that's doing the oppressing. He's given them their warning. And now the ones who are being oppressed, he's saying, brethren, I want you to hang on a little longer. Be patient. Just like when we plant the garden in the spring, it'll be later on in the summer before you receive the harvest. But you've got to be patient until then, but it will come. Amen. So we're commanded to endure persecution and patiently persevere through trials and temptation. Boy, that's one of the hardest things, isn't it? Trials and temptation or persecution or being done wrong, to patiently take that goes against everything in us, don't it? But it takes the Lord to help us. And God will most certainly punish those who have mistreated His children. But until then, He's instructed us to endure hardships as a patient, meek, and humble person. We must understand that planet earth is not our eternal home and it won't be long until the Lord returns. Amen. See which kingdom are we going to serve? This earthly kingdom that's going to perish. People's been making money and stealing money and defrauding each other forever. It's not going to change, is it? So I don't want my treasure here. I want my treasure in heaven. The important thing for us and I'd never really seen this until this week as I was doing a little studying on this. I started looking at the scripture and the Lord started showing me in the context of what he's talking about. The important thing for us as Christians is not to turn on each other because of being mistreated or persecution. Don't grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be consumed, lest you be condemned. So when people are mistreating us and we're being oppressed by the rich, let's not turn on each other. Instead of grumbling against each other, we need to support each other and lift one another up. I think, and I said it many times, and I'll say it here again this morning because it's very fresh 
in our memories. The COVID pandemic, it really revealed where Christianity was at in this country at least. Christians turned on each other like I've never seen. I could not believe the way Christians were attacking one another over some agreed to take the shot and some said they didn't want to. But it wasn't good enough to that that let's pray for each other. If you wanted to take the shot, I'll pray that everything goes well. And if you don't want to take it, I'll pray that God protects you and everything goes well. But we still love each other. No, they turned on each other and attacked each other. Well, shame on you and shame on this. Well, you're doing it, blah, blah. We turned on each other because of the world's persecution upon pretty much all people. That was a persecution that went out for everybody, right? Everybody suffered through that pandemic. And yet Christians turned on each other and that disappointed me so much to see that. So let's not turn on each other when the, when the persecution comes. And know this, when he spoke about Job in that passage, most every Christian will go through a period similar to Job where they feel like everything in the world's against them. You ever felt that way? Yes. On a few occasions. You mean after you're a Christian and the Holy Spirit's living in you, you might have to suffer and there might be instances in your life that you feel like everything's against you, maybe even God is against you? Absolutely. I have felt that way before. I felt like, Lord, have I done something wrong? Am I being punished in some way? Lord, the devil's on my heels. He's wearing me out. I don't know what to do. Every Christian is going to go through that. Not just me, not just you, but everybody in this room and everybody that hears my voice. And how do we respond to that? When you feel that way, it's not my place to come in and say, well, this is what you did wrong and this is what you should have done. Brother, I love you. It's going to be okay. Put my arm around you. That's what Christian love is about. That's serving a heavenly kingdom and not an earthly one. Amen? So we need to support each other and lift one another up. Most every Christian, like I said, is going to go through that. And when this happens, we must support each other knowing the Lord has allowed us to be tested. And this is to show us that He's very compassionate and merciful. Verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now, a lot of people have taken that verse out of context. Uh, verse 16, the latter part of it. 
Nobody talks about the first sentence. Everybody just says, oh, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You just pray real hard and real often and everything, and God will heal everything. Look what the first part of that says. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed, what? As a group. As a church body. That you may be healed. That there'll be no fracture among you. That you care for one another. And that even if somebody messes up and commits sin, it's going to be okay. We'll pray for you. Amen. Amen. Pray for one another. This is how churches care for one one another and care for each other. Pray for one another. Be happy together when things happen. See how it was said? Is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms and be happy. And guess what? We'll be happy with you. Praise God. Do you know that on any, any one circumstance, pretty much on any one given Sunday, you may have someone present who's hurting and someone who's at the, at the top of the thing and they're just elated about something. But God has a way for us. We can all comfort and be there for each other. We can celebrate with those that's in good spirits. And we can put our arm around the one that's needing a hug. Amen. Praise God. Use oil to anoint the sick in the name of Jesus. A lot of people don't do that anymore. But I believe in it. If it's the Bible, that's what we should do. If he says anoint people with oil in the name of Jesus for their physical ailment, then that's what we'll do if that's what they want. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. And here's a, here's a really good one. Use oil to anoint the sick in the name of Jesus and God will raise them up. And nobody talked about this in verse 15. Everybody talks about the first one. Verse 15, And the prayer of, sick, a prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And everybody stops right there. Praise God, He's the healer. But the second part of that verse is the most important part. Because you can be healed of a physical ailment today and you're going to have another one two or three weeks down the road, two or three months down the road, there'll always be one in these flesh bodies. Look at the last part of that, verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. I'm not ashamed to stand before you every Sunday and tell you I struggle. And I need the Lord to help me in every single way of my life. Amen? I fall short from time to time and I have to say, Lord, forgive me. I didn't do that right. I didn't approach that right. I didn't say that right. I didn't do right. Amen? And how do we pray about such things? Confess to, our, to each other our weaknesses and sins that our church body may be healed and not fractured. And how, so how do we pray? Pray in faith like Elijah, believing that God will unite our local church body so that we can be a family closely knit in love. See, if we've got somebody that needs a shoulder to cry on, and then we get comforters like Job had and says, well, here's the reason that's happening. This is because of this and because of this. I know we're all flawed and we all struggle. So if we got an issue in our life, I love you. It's going to be okay. I've been right there with you. I know what it's like. God's going to make it better. 
We'll confess our shortcomings. We'll confess our weaknesses. Confess our right out sins if that's the case. And the Lord will forgive us and lift us up. That we as a group may be healed. Amen. Amen. And I really like this part. If someone wanders off from the true faith of Jesus, you know people do that sometimes. They get something else in their mind and they just omit God out of their life and they don't want to follow God anymore and they stray away. People do that. But here the Bible tells us what? Verse 19. If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. If somebody wanders off from true faith in Jesus, try to bring him back. Don't beat him up. Don't wear him out. Say, hey, we missed you. Come on back. Got a seat saved for you. If not, we'll get one. Amen? We have to realize the struggles that people face. Sometimes we may not understand the reason that they don't come to church. Some people have a, have a thing about guilt. They, they mess up and they do a few things wrong and they just feel so guilty. I'm not worthy to go back anymore. Yeah, you are. We're all flawed. Amen. We all need Jesus and we need each other. Amen. Amen. Be ready to help a wayward Christian come back to the sheepfold because God's kingdom comes first. See, if I'm about earthly riches, I don't care if people come and go. But if I'm about God's kingdom, I don't want somebody to walk away. I don't want somebody to be disappointed and downhearted and downtrodden. I want to make sure that they're going to be okay. Amen. So in closing this morning, as we close out this chapter and actually the whole book of James today, May you and I choose to serve the kingdom of heaven instead of this earthly one. So much of our thoughts, I was laying there yesterday morning in bed thinking about what all I needed to get done. Got behind on a lot of stuff and just different things. And it just just finally hit me. I said, you know, I can't do but so much. And I want to be about God's kingdom. The stuff here on earth, (laughs) you're never going to get all your work done. You're never going to get all the weeds cut. You're never going to get all the things done that need done because that's part of this earth that's just going to keep happening. But God's kingdom is forever. And that's what I want to serve. Amen. So may we choose to serve that instead of this earthly one. And may we not become like a rich oppressor who cheats and defrauds to get ahead. You know, every one of us, somebody walked up and just handed you $1,000, we could all find a use for it, couldn't we? We could. Everybody could always use more money. Right? But let us not become like an oppressor or to have the mindset of an earthly-minded person that would cheat somebody and defraud somebody else to try to get a few dollars because then a few dollars will get spent and be gone. And the only thing left on our record then will be the fact that we cheated someone. So let's not do that. Amen? Let's not become like that. So let us be content with the things God has provided. And may you and I here be a church family who cares for each other and seeks the very best for each and every one who attends. Amen? That's my heart's prayer 
has been there since we came, since we opened these doors. That's what I'm concerned about. Amen. We love one another and we're there for one another. Amen. And we pray for each other. Let's pray this morning. (coughs) Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, we are thankful for the warnings here in this chapter 5 of the book of James. Where we see the warnings that are given to rich oppressors who cheat and defraud. And Lord, we don't want to be like that in any way. Lord, but we also are, are real and, and understand that sometimes we, we are the recipients of that being cheated and defrauded. So Lord, we've also received instruction for that today. That we just endure these things patiently. Lord, sometimes it's hard when we know wrong is being done. We want to try to make it right. We want to try to argue. But Lord, as you've been showing me this week... You can't, you can't argue with an ungodly person because you're just going to get in the cesspool with them and it's never going to end well. So, Father, help us to do just as you've said here in your word today, to patiently endure hardships just like Job, patiently go through the things we have to go through, knowing that your coming is soon and in one of these days you're going to come and rescue us from this earth. And help us today, Lord, I pray, be minded only of heavenly things and not so much about the earthly. Lord, we know you've given us all uh, homes to live in. You've given us jobs, a way to make money and things, but help us to be content in those things, Lord, and not to go seeking uh, other things that are just going to cause us more stress and more worry. So, Father, we ask it today in Jesus' name. I pray that you keep each and every person safe. To the next appointed time we meet, in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.